Hi, and welcome to the eighth episode of Idea Farm. My name is Benjamin Light. Uh, my co-host today is actually uh, someone different. His name is Jesse Howe. I work with him over at the Columbus School. We are on the fifth grade team together. And um, I don't know, a few weeks ago he had asked about uh, making a podcast uh, together, and I thought that was a cool idea. Um, and so we got together and did a very, very short one. So this is uh, it's about 12 minutes long, I think, something like that. Um, and it's all about labels. Before we start with that, though, uh, I was listening to The Knowledge Project, which is another podcast uh, this week. And Shane Parrish had on a man named Adam Robinson. And Adam was talking about um, how one of the things you need to do is have a vision um, and make it a vision that people might want to join. Uh, and I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about the podcast and the website. And I thought then it might be good to kind of think about what does this all mean anyway? And so here it is. Um, I want all educators to take this profession profession that we have as seriously as possible. And in turn of that, I want for all educators to be taken as seriously as possible. Um, we are so very fortunate to be in education. It is one of the more complex professions out there, you know. And because of that, I think we, we get a chance every day uh, for our day to be filled with fascination. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, sometimes it's not. Um, and so what I would like to work towards is... Uh, is for our children and our world uh, to have a place where all teacher, teachers are trusted and valued. And I don't think that that's something that we can wait for. I think that that starts with us and that we have to do it uh, and that we have to make it so. And so if you are in favor of that vision and want to join up, I think one small thing that we could do um, is that over at Idea Farm, we signed up with a platform called Discourse. Um, and it's basically we're trying to make a learning community over there, a place for us to talk with other, other educators um, and, you know, share resources and really get a conversation going. Um, and so we pay for it. Um, so we are not the products, which, you know, when we use Twitter, we use Facebook. We're not paying for that stuff. It's it's we are the product. Um and so uh, it's something that we're paying for. They give a huge uh, education discount. Um, so if you do go over to ideafarm.education forward slash join, um, you can sign up for the community. Make sure to use your school email account because um, that way we get the discount. Um, and once you're there, join the conversations that are happening and start your own. And without further ado, we'll get the uh, podcast started today. Just a side note. The music at the beginning, I just made that with the garage band. Um, and so let's get going. All right. Uh, hi, Jesse. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Ben? <laughs> Not much. Um, so we're going to be talking about labels today, uh, specifically in education. Um, and I know that you have recently published an article in the ASA newsletter, which is the American, no, the Association of American Schools in South America. Correct. It's a mouthful. And that will also be, that was published online via ASA. And um, come February, it's going to be published in the Thai online print newspaper called the oh, International right. Educator. I learned this week as well. Thai, like in Thailand? or As in Thai online, as in like um, TIE. Oh, okay. Yes. Which is like the, I think they're like the, four, the fourth tier of like the middleman headhunter, you know. Uh, okay, cool. Nice. Search, ISS, All right. ASA, TIE. Okay, cool. And uh, your article kind of spawned the idea for the podcast because you wrote about? 
Um, yeah, I wrote about um, the, the article's titled The Myth of the Trailing Spouse. You, okay. if, you, if you're out there listening, I think you should Google it. You can find it on the ASA blog uh, where I, I go into <clears throat> what, I fear, what I feel is a, a pejorative term and a mislabeling um, of a person of which I, I use a quote from you within the article mm-hmm. who was not it was in no way trailing it was no way detracting it was not a negative it was actually right. a positive force within the relationship okay cool mm-hmm. and that kind of got me thinking about the idea of labels and uh, going from there so um, let's see when I think about labels specifically in education or like why we have labels like I think we have labels to um, simplify um, and we tend to try and simplify things. I don't know if I said that. Which are there's a saying that's that simplicity is on the other side of complexity. Like if you really look at complexion, you can kind of figure out where things start or have a simple, eloquent solution. Um, but I think a lot of times we, instead of trying to understand the complexity of a situation, we just throw slap a label on it. Um, so for example, ADHD. If you label someone, or it's English language learner, like yes. you label them that, that, that's, there's, how many labels do you need to know about someone before you can educate them and teach someone? Mm. Or like how you know them and stuff like that. I think you're right in the sense that the, those two labels specifically, of which we encounter daily in, mm-hmm. in elementary education all over the world, including in international schools, um, I think those, those two specifically paint our students into a very specific box. Mm-hmm. And don't like, like you said, don't allow us to see that the big picture, right, of who they are and where they are coming from, mm-hmm. and what they need as learners. It almost prejudices us towards them. Like once you have that label, then it's like, oh, okay, I know this kid. I know what's wrong, quote unquote, with them, or I know what their problems are going to be. And again, I think if you look at any statistical thing, there's always more variance. So there's a wider range in a group. So if you try and group people. And based on anything, there's a wider range within that group than like the average between groups. Um, and so I think it's one of those things where I know it's probably we're trying to help people, like get help or whatever. But right. once you slap a label on someone, it's very hard to un- unlabel. Yeah, and I think that goes to I mean, why do we label, right? We simplify things mm-hmm. because it would be it would be much more time consuming and difficult right. for me to to describe to you um, what that child with attention deficit hyperactive disorder mm-hmm. um, really is like on a mm-hmm. daily basis and mm-hmm. how, would I, how would I even how would I describe that child without that label yeah I'm sure I could yeah it would take me a lot longer a lot longer that's why I think to connect that to something else that I was, I was thinking about is this idea of we only have 180 days like normally with a kid yes and so like you said it's hard it's difficult in the system in which that's all the time you're allotted and you have 22 human beings or 25 or 38 or whatever you're doing <laughs> yes T- 15 yes <laughs> if depending you're, on where you're at and your school population is um, yes to try and get that level of intricacy and understanding on a kid I think is, is very difficult and so it, it, it makes sense to me that that's one of the reasons for the labels is that we're in a system that doesn't allow adults to get to know kids like to a, a, a level of which you're able to actually do something. And so we try and aid that process by by labeling the child. Absolutely. And some of the articles that you sent to me that I, I kind of I, I skimmed before uh-huh. we began recording was, you know, talking about 
special education <clears throat> in the United States from the 40s to the 70s and how labeling actually became a positive mm-hmm. because it enabled a student population that wasn't receiving mm-hmm. any of this, this assistance that they needed mm-hmm. to give them that label and then therefore qualify them mm-hmm. legally right. in many in many senses for that assistance that they that they actually needed. Yeah. And then it evolved from there. Yes. It kind of seems like it spun out of maybe not out of control, but Well, I was actually <laughs> have you ever heard of the second law of thermodynamics? I probably heard it, but you should probably remind it's, me. It's uh it's basically your coffee gets cold. Or if something gets cold because the heat leaves. Yes. And it goes to a place that's not cold. Yes, it dissipates. And it doesn't go from cold to... You you can't heat up your coffee without outside force. Yes. So this is called entropy. And so what happens is when you start something, anything... Like, it's a law in the physics world, but it's not a law of humans. But if you have a goal and a mission, and this is what we're doing, but you don't re-energize that effort, you leave it all to chance, and there's way more opportunities for chaos and destruction than there is for for rising up and going above so a lot of times things evolve they'll evolve anyway no matter yes. if you do it purposefully or not things of evolve course. of course um, and so I think a lot of times in education or government or wherever or organizations it's just you start with this really great idea and then you just think it's going to be okay and then all of a sudden it's not and so it just kind of spreads into disorder and chaos. And isn't that the premise for Jurassic Park? Chaos yes. theory and yeah, this, really. this wonderful idea that yeah. spun out of control. Yeah, much yes. like a lot of things. Rest in peace, Michael Crichton. Yeah, I, I love that guy. Yes, I got really big into him in college. As did I in high school. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I guess I am a little older than you. <laughs> um, and then my least favorite. Label. Do, you, do you have a least favorite label in education? If you have that favorite label, do you want to do you want to share yours first? Well, I think sure. about what mine but might be. Mine would be grades. Uh, I think grades are awful uh, because they do it's a very simplistic label to a very complicated and complex thing and so that's why I, I mean I would love to go more continuum and or things like that time consuming yes much more time consuming yes. than grading um, although I, I agree with you I think that they do serve a purpose in many sense I think especially at the elementary level mm-hmm. where we, a lot of what we're doing is communicating the student's achievement and progress mm-hmm. to the parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even in a standards-based grading system, which mm-hmm. really breaks it down mm-hmm. really into a, a minute level, I think the parents really struggle to understand course, yeah. what the heck yeah. is going on. Yeah. And it's so much easier for them to mm-hmm. look at math yeah. and then to look at number, right. which we do, one through four, right. or a letter that yeah. you and I had yeah. back in the day, which was A, B, C, D, D or F. F. No E. <laughs> it's an E. Excellent. I think that's why. They don't want you to get confused. They no. want you to know that you were failing. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I like, I th- again, it simplifies something complex. So, this idea of a label. Yes. Um, and then going back to, like, the idea of, like, you only have a certain amount of time with them. I Have you ever looped with kids before? Have you ever spent more than a year with a um, group of students? So, I was thinking about the podcast that you and Kel recorded, episode mm-hmm. six and thinking about the one room sc- schoolhouse kind of one room schoolhouse mm-hmm. was the term the barn right? yeah I, so I, I when i worked in idaho when i was living in jackson hole in the from 2010 to 2013 i worked at a, a k through 6 private school uh-huh. i think i mentioned this private mm-hmm. to you before and the although I, I i worked with all the students obviously and then the, the 
the following year, I worked with the same students. Mm -hmm. So in that okay. sense, yes, I did continue with them as their Spanish teacher. Um, but these were all combined classrooms. Okay. So they're all, it was, kindergarten had its own because it had the, the sufficient amount. Mm -hmm. but there was first and mm -hmm. second were combined, mm -hmm. third and fourth, and fifth and sixth. Okay. And the fifth, sixth classroom was in a yurt. Pretty cool. Very cool. For people who don't know what a yurt is, what's a yurt? Yeah, of course. Um, so if thinking about the nomadic um, horseman tribes of Mongolia. Okay. Um, which is one of the uh, least populated countries per you know per okay. square mile or mm -hmm. kilometer that in the world up there with Namibia, um, so the these nomadic horsemen and, and tribesmen, um, they're nomadic. They were moving frequently, so they would yeah. have to you know uproot in Mongolia, not exactly the tropics, uh -huh. and so they would build um, you know um, deconstruct and construct, basically um, a a semi circular. Um, uh, place to live, right? Have mm -hmm. their um, their uh, their camp, so to speak, and it would be um, kind of basically propped up with wood and with with a tarp or okay. with animal skins. Okay, essentially. Oh, cool. And that was just in there, it kept warm and all that. Yes. Did you have exactly. No fireplace or anything. Just just the heat of the skins. Correct. Cool. Mm -hmm. yes. And so, how did you? Comparing that experience that you you had, like looping with kids or seeing the same kids over multiple years, compared to now where you've just seen groups after groups after groups, is there one that you prefer? Do you have? So that's that's a great question, and I've even thought about this year. Now that I moved from when I moved from third grade to fifth grade mm -hmm. from my last three years at the Columbus School in Medellin, I thought about requesting because I had such a great group last year and such a strong connection. Mm -hmm. For me, it was the strongest that I've had in my four years mm, here by okay. far mm -hmm. for many, many different reasons. I thought about looping that okay. group and, re okay. and making a request, going to fourth, going to fourth mm -hmm. and continuing with the exact same okay. um, uh, student population, student body. I think the advantages would be that you don't spend those six weeks at the beginning of the year getting to know your population. You already know them. You right. know their their you know their, their limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, you know what they need. You know how best to connect to them, and they know you as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like you could really hit the ground running if mm -hmm. you were to do that. Um, that is something at my school, t tying it all back into my school in Idaho, of which that it was great getting to know those kids and then working with them the following year. Right. In the sense of that, I could better connect with them. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So I think looping is is, is very positive. Yeah. What your, what your Did you ask years? or? Um, I no, I considered okay. it this yeah. year, and but then because I came to fifth. Mm -hmm. um, I did not go to fourth, so okay. I did not have that opportunity. All right. I would love to loop. I, I think I've said before, I would do K5 through 6. Yeah. I would want the same group. But there's another t thing that I've heard of. It's called the neighborhood. Yes. Have you ever heard of this? Where no. the, the group of teachers and the group of kids move together, but it's not looping. So you would get some of your kids, but you would get someone else. But the group of teachers move up. So then you you do always have people who know the children that are in your class and so I, that would be interesting too cuz i think here at this specific school i don't know if people would do the looping idea like keeping right. kids together right. cuz part of the thing is like they are here for 16 years together so yes. making sure that they get to know everybody Absolutely. so the idea of a neighborhood though would be pretty interesting to try i'm trying to think what that would look like so let's say that they would start in first grade with a neighborhood yeah. here and they would go until fifth i maybe i don't know or you could just do two years and then pass them on so would a I teacher would then just kind of recycle back to first grade yeah you could do that i think that'd be interesting yeah i would totally do that uh, one thing i like about you ben is that you have these really interesting ideas about education mm -hmm. and you're not afraid to really try to think outside the box and then try to implement them yeah. as well. Is that always successful? Of course not. No. But I think it's really cool that you try. Well, I appreciate it. I 
Look it in there, John. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so thank you for taking the time out of your day uh, to listen to Jesse and I talk about labels and what they all mean. Um, you can find Jesse over on the Twitter at Mr. Jesse underscore teacher. Um, and you can find me at Benjamin J.E. Light. Um, so, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, if you do want to continue the conversation, you can do so over at ideafarm.education. Remember, join up, join the discourse, um, and tell us what you think about labels. All right, see ya.